Welcome to the Skyline SIB podcast. We're so grateful that you're taking time to tune in from your busy schedule. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you wherever you are listening from. Now, here is an inspiring message by our guest speaker, Pastor Kevin Liu. Wow. Thank you, Pastor. Um, I, I just... So many people. I have not seen so many people in my life in a long time. Why don't you give yourself a big hand for coming to church to worship Jesus? Amen. Thank you, Ben. Uh, worship leaders and musicians, God bless you all. You can grab a seat. Um, my wife and I uh, just want to take this opportunity to really express our gratefulness and our honour to uh, Pastor Nancy and also Pastor Philip because in this season of our lives, they have been so instrumental in helping us to shape our next step forward. And uh, so we are really, really appreciative of, uh, uh, ooh, all right, of Pastor Philip and Pastor Nancy. So thank you so much for journeying with us. And before we start hearing the Word of God, let us pray. Father God, we give you thanks and praise this morning. Truly, truly, it is a joy, oh God, and it is even more something that we will not take for granted that we can come to worship you in such a space like this to just lift up our hands, lift our hearts, to give you all the glory and all the praises. Lord, as we hear your word right now, as we listen, God, speak to us in a way that only you can and change and transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. One of the major questions that a lot of people want to know in this season is if church is still necessary. Is church still necessary? I, I remember when we first had to introduce uh, online service, whether it was through Zoom or YouTube or Facebook, you name it, Instagram Live, we, we tried to tell the church and say, hey, you know what? You can worship God at home. And it is the same. And so that was it. That was uh, one stretch of it. And then after that, when uh, MCO was kind of lifted for a bit and people can come back to church, nobody came back. Can, can you imagine the shocker for us as pastors? Like, what just happened? Like, everybody raptured without us. Nobody came back. And then they told us, Pastor, you told us that it is fine to worship at home. So it became a sword that cut both sides. Are you, are you all with me? So this is the pastor's part of the sharing, okay? This is what we have to go through behind the scene. But you see, over the years, we have come to realize that the church is not just the building. Yep, we've come to understand that. And, but today, I want to say this, the church neither is just the gathering. Because if we just place everything about our Christianity and our Christian faith only on the gathering that happens on a Sunday, then something is not quite right with our understanding of God and the church. What do I mean by that? When, when Christ died on the cross, it was God's plan. It was God's idea to reconcile people back to God. Because before Jesus, the Jews and the Gentiles were set apart. They were not together. But now, because of Christ's work on the cross, everyone is brought together. The church is more than just the building. Everybody say amen. amen. Because we've been saying, uh, everybody type amen. Now we can say, everybody say amen, all right? The church is more than just the gathering. The church is a new people group 
designed by God where we are united as one, not because of our last name, whether this is a Wong association or a Chan or a Lim or whatever it is. We are not united because of the color of our skin or our background. We are all called family right now because of Jesus Christ's saving grace on the cross for all of us. So the church is more than just an organization. It is a new society. It is a new people group and a new single humanity according to the plans and the purpose of God. And when you begin to understand this, you realize we don't become a Christian just so that we can go to church on a Sunday. We don't become a Christian just so that our sins may forgiven, may be forgiven and then we can go to heaven. When you look at Acts chapter 2, in the midst of all that was happening in the Pentecost, all right, and uh, everyone was like gathering day after day, uh, spending time to devote themselves in the apostles' doctrine, in the teaching, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, in prayer, and in praising God. And if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 45, suddenly inserted in between those verses, in verse 44, the Bible says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need that right in the midst of all that God was doing in their midst, they started selling their property. I want you to know that this is not a command, that the moment you become a Christian, you cannot own anything. But it was out of their inward desire to be a blessing to others, that they wanted to reach out to those among them who are now called family, that they have now come to understand that we are together because of Christ's work on the cross. We want to make sure that everyone is taken care of. So to love God and to think others is always at the heart of transformation. That if we are truly transformed by the power of Christ on the cross, the desire to love God and to think others will always be right at the center of it. I want to share with you this message. It's actually a compressed series because I only have one Sunday with you guys, all right? And I want to make sure I deliver everything that you understand what I want to share with you today. As a body of Christ, various members of the body. You know, a week is made up of 168 hours a week. And how much do we spend time in church? Well, it used to be more than two hours, but now it's getting about two hours or less. Today, maybe a bit longer because it's kind of hard to find parking because, you know, people are all in the hotel. Uh, I'm staying in another hotel. Uh, I was trying to find a parking for the car and it's not my car, but somebody kindly lent it to me. Boleh pak mana? Divider pun boleh pak. Divider? How do I go up there? But, but, but if we just think about it, if we consider ministry just two hours a week when we come to church, when I'm playing the guitar or playing the drum, when I'm serving as an usher or, or arranging the chairs or setting up the camera or being the sound crew, it's only two hours a week. All right, cut down half the time we are sleeping. 80 hours cut off. It cannot be possible that our ministry to God is only limited to that little two hours a week that we are actually serving God. I want to share with you this morning 
that our faith and our influence for our community is far beyond and apart from just Sunday itself. Amen? Amen? Are you with me? It cannot be considered, I, I actually say this really strongly to one of our churches. I said, Sunday morning cannot become the clutch where we do and justify everything that we need to do as a Christian to perform all our duties that we need to perform to God on a Sunday. I come and worship. I come and give my offering. I listen to the sermon. I write down notes if you want. I can prepare everything. I come early. I go home a bit later. And Sunday has become something that we are so limited. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And today, we have limited the influence of Christ to come to church. Are you guys with me? That we, we cannot have faith that just works when you come to church. Faith should work when we are not in church. Are you guys with me? And I want to say that there are reasons and purposes why the church is here. It is not our idea. It is not what we think we want. But it is the desires of God. There are internal and external purposes of the church. I want to just focus on the external because I really tried. I don't think I can meet all the, the points that I've, I've prepared, but let's look at the external purposes of the church. Are you guys still okay? Yeah. All right, James chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. The Bible says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Isn't it straightforward? If you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, then your religion, your faith is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in the distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Number one, keep a tight rein on the tongue. James does not call for a silenced tongue, but a bridled one, a bridled one, sorry, a bridled one. In James chapter 3, Verse 5 to verse 12. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, set the whole course of one's life on fire, and in is itself set on fire by hell. Man, James is not mixing his words and it's straightforward, strong. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Man, he, he really hates the tongue. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and, we've, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produces fresh water. Our words are powerful and our words are important. It is so important that it is deadly according to James. So if we are to make our faith real apart from Sunday, we have to watch what we speak on a Monday. Are you guys with me? Yeah. If we want to make our faith real apart from Sunday, then we have to watch what we speak on a Monday. Yes, it is true. People will not come to church straight away, but they see us. They watch us how we speak. They watch our words 
and our language. Alec Moyer, one of the theologians, said this, the heart and the tongue are linked so that the tongue is an accurate index of what we are at the core of our persons. What we speak and how we speak reflects the core of who we are on the inside. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, you brood of vipers, how can you say who are... How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speak what the heart is full of. And so it is futile to just try to control our lips or our words or our tongue, but our heart is not essentially changed and transformed. The Bible says it is out of the heart the mouth speaks. <clears throat> and James is relating and Matthew is relating to the content of our heart. Therefore, unless we all have an encounter with Jesus and our hearts change and transform, our words will not. <coughs> so the first thing is we have to watch how we speak when it is a Monday. <coughs> we have to watch how we speak on a Tuesday. What are the words that we use? These days, people using the Lord's name in vain is like nobody's business. I am upset and I don't want like just use the name Jesus over everything. Uh, not even the half G's. You, you get what I mean? Now, now it's really quiet. Jeez. Like, I don't know what the origin or the intention may be, but if that word is to mean part of the name of Jesus, and if we as Christians do not stop doing that, the world will continue to compromise. There are a lot of, you know, I'm not sure about here in KL, it's quite bad because the number plate W and then WT and then WTF. Yeah, they don't say the word, but they say WT. Or what the... Can this not be our language? Because we represent God. Amen? We don't do it in church because it's Sunday, but we become so careless when it comes to a Monday. But that's how the people speak, Pastor. That's right. But that's not how you should speak because you are a believer. You are supposed to represent Christ in the marketplace, in your college, college and in your university. Are you guys with me? And so we got to learn to keep a tight rein on the tongue. And that's what... James is saying. Number two, James also say that we are to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The world is always pushing its agenda to the church. And I, I want to say this, that if the devil can just keep us forever stay at home and not going out there, then how are we ever going to preach the gospel and go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations? We need to go out. Amen? We need to come back to church. We, we probably lost momentum, all right? We admit, I admit, I lost momentum. I, I want to tell you the MCO was tough. Tough for me as a pastor. I'm sure tough for everybody. You know, my, my week was spent like this. Tuesday, I do staff meeting. Wednesday, I write my message. Thursday, I record my own message. So I don't even have camera crew in my house. So I have to put in front of my, my phone, in front of me. Hi, church. How are you guys? Let's get ready for another week. That was, that was uh, Thursday. I will tape my sermon. On Sunday, I watch myself preach. 
And I asked people, how was service? You know, how weird is that? And we have to do that for two years. I want us to know if we are comfortable to take our families out for meals, we ought to be more comfortable to take them to the house of God. Amen? Amen? Right? Like, it cannot be more dangerous. The church is so strict. With the SOP, look at the distance. It is far beyond the government's requirement. The gap is so huge. The mask is getting better and better, like all kinds of brands. Now it's a fashion statement to wear the right mask. I just grab whatever mask that is in the house. But, but the world will continue to put, push its agenda to the church if we do not push back. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I want to take us right now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 12, starting from 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, where Paul is writing now. I want to continue from the, from the length, the breadth of not being polluted by the world. As for other matters, Paul says, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, and it's in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. A lot of people ask, what is the will of God? It's for us to be sanctified. Amen? That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. God called us to be sanctified and to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 also says, flee sexual immorality. You're not to face sexual immorality head on and say, I am not afraid of you. I'm stronger than you. I have the Holy Spirit. No, the Bible's instruction was very clear. Flee sexual immorality in an internet convenient world. Maintaining sexual purity is a continuous uphill task. When we were growing up, pornography was so difficult to come by. You need to have uncles at home that know some friends that will bring home a magazine that they will hide under their bed. And uh, if you are the curious one, wow, it amazed you. Like, what's this? You know, uh, you don't see any other thing. But those are about all that you see. But these days, pornography, it's at the end of our fingertips. It is so easy. I want us to know marriages are falling apart because of this. Intimacy is falling apart because of this. Pornography is not only dangerous because it is addictive, it is destructive that it destroys the mind. To think that every other person that you see is an object of your desire. And so what is the Bible telling us? That apart from Sunday, this area of our lives is both crucial and critical. If you are married, I want to encourage you. Spend time with your spouse. Love your wife. Love your husband. You know, spend time praying together. Spend time doing things together. Enjoy the friendship that you have built over the years. 
a couple that starts on the wrong footing when it comes to the relationship and start on sexual intimacy or if our generation is not careful where people start saying things like, if you love me, you should give it to me. Can I say this? Love is always about giving and not taking. Love is always about giving. Two persons coming together, if you are not willing to give, the relationship will not work. But if two persons coming together, both wanting to take something from each other, the relationship will be destroyed. Fulfill me, satisfy me, meet my needs. If you love me, and if a couple that start on a wrong footing like this, the entire foundation of the relationship will be built upon lust and not love. And then the intimacy of the marriage will be destroyed. Apart from Sunday, we have to learn to control our tongue. We have to also learn to control our desires. And if you need to, and if you're married, I want to encourage everybody to take this time of the year to renew your love, your commitment to your spouse. Amen? Talk. Talk about how you fell in love. Talk about things that you used to do. I know when you have kids, kids are growing up and there's demands and expectations, things are changing. But never neglect the friendship in your relationship. Amen? Never neglect that friendship. And so, thirdly, and with this I will close, verse 9, as I continue from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, so that you will not be dependent on anybody and as we want to make our faith real, that we are not just practicing our faith, serving God and ministering only on a Sunday, only when we come to church, only when there's a rehearsal and all that. Paul moves from chastity to charity, that to encourage us to lead a quiet life. I want to talk about the third point this morning. I want to talk about work-life integration. What do I mean by that? That your life and your work are one. That your work and what you do and this life that God has given to you, eh, they are one. There's this struggle in a world that the world is pushing this agenda that we always need to find a work-life balance. How, how many of you heard this before? Maybe it's not going to be a popular statement with the younger ones. This whole concept of idea of work-life balance, it feels like I work very hard and then I want my balance. It feels like the work and the life are segregated. It feels like they're not together. I have young people come up to me. This is their first job, okay? Right out of university. I say, yo, young man. I say, awesome. You're finally going into the workforce. What kind of job are you looking for? Pastor, I'm looking for a job that gives me work-life balance. I'm like, dude, you haven't even started. What do you know about balance? And 
And you see, the problem is this. Work-life balance has now morphed to become the sole purpose of everyone who is working. Work-life balance ought to be a transition, not an accomplishment. It ought to be a sudden change in your life. And, and, and the Bible makes it very clear here that to have an ambition to lead a quiet life. A quiet life doesn't mean a life that you're not talking, but it's a sense of peace, a sense of rest, and a sense of contentment found in the purpose of who we are found in Christ. Today, you and I can only be contented in our work if we know that this is something that is found in Christ. Quiet, neither does it mean complacent. Because the idol are to be worn. It says here, mind your business. Do you all know that minding your own business is biblical teaching? It is not just a sticker that you stick on the car. Focus on yourself. Take care of your own family. And, and, and don't meddle with other people's life. Unless you are called to be a shepherd over them that God has given you spiritual authority to look after those that God has entrusted upon you. Work with your hands, Paul says. Why? Because it came to a point in the life of the society back then that people feel, if I have to work with my own hands, it is a low-grade work. I shouldn't work with my own hands. I should spend my days at the Colosseum and talking about philosophy, talking about theology, talking about, wow, a sense of the future of God coming, or, or talking about why life? What is the purpose of life? And Paul brought everybody back down to earth and say, hey, you know what? You should work with your own hands. Whatever God has gifted you to do, some of you, you are good with accounting. Some of you, you are bankers. Some of you, you are counted. I mean, some of you, you are doctors and teachers and lawyers. Whatever God has entrusted upon you, is that is what it means here to work with your own hands. But you see, Paul's appeal to them is not one out of anger. He's like, go to work. Why are you so lazy? No. But it was an appeal in terms of brotherly love. Because verse 9, it says, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And then you begin to realise that if I go to work, I'm actually expressing my love for the people around me. That if I work with my own hands, that I'm being responsible with this life that God has given to me, I'm actually showing love to my church community, to my family. And that's what Paul is saying. So working with our own hands for our own living is a mark of love. Why? Because it says here, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Daily life means everyday life, not just our Sunday life. And outsiders means people that do not appear in church on a Sunday morning. Work with your own hand so that you do not need to depend on others so that you may win the respect of others. 
so that our faith will be made manifest, not just on Sunday. So when we work, we become a producer. We are not a parasite. That we do not become a burden to our family and our society. But those of us who are able-bodied, we got to go to work so that we can become a blessing to others. I want to say and share this message with all of you because it is something that God has been speaking to me and dealing with me in many ways. And that is why I say I truly appreciate Pastor Philip and Pastor Nancy in this season of our lives. And I want you to know, and this is a real humble confession, as a pastor, when we come to church on a Sunday, man, we are full of faith. Hallelujah! Poor people clap hands and cheer. Hallelujah! Wow, the pastor uh, anointed uh, today. So powerful. Wow, the pastor is so full of faith. Challenging us to walk a life before God with honour and obedience. But then, when it comes to Monday, nowhere to be seen. Where is the pastor? Maybe he's at home. Maybe he's in office. And I came to a point in my life that I do not want my faith to be just so real, so powerful on a Sunday. But apart from Sunday, and today, this is my plea to you. What do you do with your faith? We don't want to just come to church and be full on fire for God and serving Jesus and doing everything. But when we go back to office on a Monday, nobody even knows that we are Christian. We don't pray before we have our meal. We don't talk about God because we think that it is politically incorrect. We, we do not tell people. And so I want, I want to step out myself today in as much as I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. I want to go to a place where it is not church, that it is not Sunday, that people will see, wow, this guy is a pastor. He can pray for us. And I want to live my life in that and I want to challenge all of you. You have a pastor, the pastors here that become such a real example to all of you. If we just limit a two hour a week to serve God and that's our ministry, then we have shortchanged God by a long shot. There are still 100 over hours every week. What do we do when we are back in our office? What kind of attitude do we carry when we are back in a hospital, in a clinic, or in your law firm, or in the bank that you're working at? Do people see you different? Or people see you just the same like everybody else? Skyline, you have become so dear to my wife and I, of course your pastors. I want to encourage you. Let's not keep our faith to ourselves and limit it to Sunday only. And everyone say, because the world out there and in the midst of this pandemic, they need God. They need Jesus more than ever before. The struggle of mental depression is so widespread. It's everywhere. But so those of us who have the Holy Spirit, those of us who is called by God, used by God, if we don't do something, how can we stop the pandemic? How can we stop all this depression from continuously spreading and destroying lives? Today, I pray. And even those of you who are watching online, 
and here today, if you have not found that peace in God, if you do not have Jesus in your life, you know, everything starts to make sense when you realise that there's a God who loves you. There's a God who was willing to pay the price by dying on the cross so that your life is not just here on earth, that your life where works that echo for all eternity. And so if you do not know Jesus, if you say, God, I want my faith to be real apart from Sunday, I want us to pray. I want us to close our eyes today. Father God, today, personally, I come before you, God. I confess that it is a struggle. A struggle for me as a pastor. We're so on fire. We are so on fire on Sunday. Preach. You know, like John the Baptist. Full of faith, full of courage. But God, that's not all that we are. That is not all that we should do or have to do. It should translate to a Monday. How we love our families, how we talk to our colleagues and our bosses. God, I pray today in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, change the way we live our Christian life so that we always seek to serve you each day of our lives. And Father God among us, those who do not know Jesus just yet. And Father God, I pray so that they know becoming a Christian is not just about coming to church on a Sunday. Becoming a Christian is not just about feeling good, singing some song. Becoming a Christian by giving our hearts and our lives to Jesus, it's far more than that. That we begin to live a life of purpose for all eternity. To live a life that we can impact the rest who are struggling, who are finding life hopeless. To find Jesus, you are the hope of our lives. And so Father, I pray today in Jesus' name. Lord, let all that we've heard be translated into action. Apart from Sunday, we want our faith to be real. We want to be a witness, bearing testimony for Christ in all that we say and in all that we do. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. And everyone say, Amen. If you gave your heart to Jesus and you prayed and say, I want God, uh, the team will be up here to help you. If you're watching online, I'm sure there are leaders online to help you. Uh, this is the starting of a conversation with God. This is not the end of it. This is the beginning of a beautiful journey. So God bless you all. Thank you. Pastor Philip, Pastor Nancy and Skyline, thank you for having us. It's truly a joy to be here. Let's, let's make our faith real apart from Sunday. Amen? Amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening. This is the Skyline SIB podcast and stay tuned for the next episode. Visit our website at www.skylinesib.com and say hello. Drop us a prayer request or leave us a question. Want to know what's up and coming with our church? Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. It's Skyline SIB. Let's connect. God bless and have a great week.